This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at a very offbeat satire in lapsus and the fight against company corruption in Percy versus Goliath. We'll also be talking to Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas. are the engines of the global quantum trading boom. People make like thousands in a weekend. So how about I do it for a little while, then I'll do it as needed until you get better. Hey, how's it going, Ray? The best cablers are the ones who aren't afraid to challenge their status quo. Is it for sure safe? Yeah, no, yeah, it's totally safe. Lapsus is an unusual but intriguing satire about the exploitation of workers that may occur in America's future. Ian Cumming has been off to the Alice cinemas to see the sometimes difficult-to-follow movie. Ian, I found this film to be well worth seeing, although it's a bit of a challenge. How did you cope with Lapsus? Wow, well, to say this is weird and stretching one mind is to interpret what the writer, director, editor and composer had in his mind is putting it mildly, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. But I think I'm, I must be out of step because Rotten Tomato gives it 93%. Yeah, I can understand that. Of, of, of all critics giving enormous thumbs up and also the audience critics were nearly at 80%. So I'm out on a limb. Am I missing the point? I think so because I quite liked it. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely Well, I guess I must be missing the point because it, 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 it's not my cup of tea or even a cup of um, coffee or a single malt. However, I do bow to, to, to it, it seems, as many others who think it's the best thing since sliced bread, and they really do. So I, I'm, just, I'm just out on the limb yeah. with this one. Well, maybe this, maybe yeah. I like the simplicity, the violent simplicity of a Guy Ritchie film. No, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's, that does seem simple compared to this. But, uh, yeah, but this bloke, the writer-director, um, it's his first film, and uh, he's really taken on this peculiar, you know, his own... Well, I, I suggest to people that before they go that they read up a few reviews and things on to find out what the plot is actually supposed to be. Because actually everything is explained in the, in the film. It's all mentioned, but usually in casual conversations that go on all around them in cafes or somewhere. And But not it's sort of not talking to the audience <laughs> and telling them exactly right. what the hell is well, going on. I mean, I think as a viewer, you have to work really... It's well, all in there. It's there, but you if have you to work If you saw it hard. a second time, yeah. you'd enjoy it much more. Okay, well, there you go. Anyway, I have to say I like those... Little, there's some little animated creatures. I suppose you could call them like the enormous black... Black beetles with their oh, the ro- metal the, robots, the, the metal robots who um, who are crawling their way through the undergrowth, undergrowth, mm. and actually these guys with their cables seem to have to catch up to them, mm. or they, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, the basic story is about this fellow Ray. He used to be a luggage delivery man. Now he's got a, a younger uh, brother who's um, 
suffering from some sort of a sleeping um, problem. They called it omnia, didn't they? Uh, yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, omnia. Yeah, uh, but it's basically a chronic fatigue, a, a fatigue uh, yeah, issue com- syndrome, you know, and um, he needs money for that. And he's not making much money in his own, enough in his own job to pay thousands of dollars for that. He finds out about this company. It's a, it's actually an international company that goes by some uh, weird name like Cablear or something. And um, they are they're a digital software company that are setting up a communication systems, digital communication systems throughout. The United States, first of all, and they're getting, they're paying these people, individual people, to pull these um, sort of cables. They got uh, big rolls of it through this um, forest outside of New York, where it was filmed, um, and and link them all together, and then link them to these sort of metal boxes in there to to make cable. Communication mm. systems. Why it has to be all in this forest, I don't know. <laughs> but but the point is that there's, he's not the only one who's been hired. He didn't know what he let himself in for, and this is a difficulty mm. for the audience. Mm. He doesn't know any more about what's going on than the audience yeah. does. We essentially seem to see it from his point of view. <laughs> would you say that? I would say that, but probably don't say any more because you could, could become a plot spoiler. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want people to have a fair idea. And this is it, and, and, but that little yeah. robot machine that you're talking about, that's another one that's they're laying these cables, but that is set up. To, to, to see if and, and these people who are laying these cables through the forest, they have to do it quicker than these little robots can. Otherwise, they're going to be paid much less, and they won't get a good right. job with them anymore, and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But it, yeah. but essentially, this company set this whole thing up as a, 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 a sort of a corrupt Ponzi scheme. Yeah, that Ponzi scheme thing. That's that form of fraud, mm-hmm. which uh, they pay. Early investors' um, funds, which they get from late the later investors. So there's no actual company there. They get money from one lot of investors, pay it to the others to give the indication that they're getting some of their money back, and thereby get other people in to pay their money. And they may put more and more money aside without any actually having any real business, except in this case, we're put, putting all these cables <laughs> through the forest. And this takes a while to. To figure out. It does indeed. Well, Noah Hutton, who's the name of the, uh, as I said at the beginning, not only wrote the music and directed and wrote and edited the film. So French critics might ascribe to him the title of auteur. Why the, that? The, you know, an auteur, the definition oh, yeah, okay. is one who applies a highly centralised and subjective control to many aspects of a collaborative creative work. In other words, a person equivalent to an author of a novel or a play. So, that's what this bloke is. That's what. So I'm saying that perhaps Mr Hutton could now be regarded being in the company of directors like Terence Malick or Orson Welles or Christopher Nolan, all auteurs. Well, you never know. It's his first film. Yep. And it'd be interesting to see what he comes up well, with indeed. next. I mean, yeah, are you looking forward to his next <laughs> film? <clears throat> well, listen, I would say this is a highly original film. It cannot, you can't deny that. And it's a, certainly as far away from Hollywood as you could possibly yes, get. Yes, so yes. you know it's very much an indie film. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. Now, I found it, um, it's, it's a bit challenging, but I found it fascinating going. And I suggest that anybody, it's worth seeing, but do your homework on that film first. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> 
that was Ian Cumming with his views on lapsus. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. With me now is Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas. Nick, as always, you've got lots of interesting movies coming to your arthouse cinemas. But first of all, I want to ask you how things are going at the Lumiere. Like all other cinemas in town, you had a huge decrease in the number of customers because of public concern over COVID-19. Are things coming good again? Mm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, if you look at the um, economy post the earthquake, there was a lot of money swishing around, you know, with insurance payouts and whatnot. And, but when you look at it, it only went to 3% of the population. Uh, so with COVID, um, you know, there's a lot of people making a lot of money, you know, used vehic- uh, new vehicles, used vehicles, whatever, because people can't travel. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly the cinema industry as a whole has greatly... Uh, uh, been impacted by COVID. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yep. So huge, actually huge. I'd say even worse than the t- than the introduction of TV or DVDs or videos or the plague, um, you know, way back or the depression. This mm. has been our our biggest hurdle. But I must say, in the last three or four, I mean, I must say, going back earlier this year, I'd be, I'd, well, I usually go in the daytime, but I'd usually only find two or three other people. Yeah. In and that's not just at your cinema, that's at Correct. the Academy yeah. or Alice's. Or so when, when, when one analyses it, you know, the day walk up audiences have pretty much vanished. Um, and they consistently are, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus women who are able to go to the movies, who can afford to go to the movies. Um, they have <laughs> yeah. greatly vanished and they're in sitting in the the confines of their their homes, and and I I get that um, they've probably discovered Netflix with a left swipe, right swipe sort of Tinder sort of you know algorithm, um, <laughs> and they feel safe. And uh, I but think twenty twenty two will feel safe, but certainly not. Maybe not this year. But nevertheless, uh, I've noticed at your cinema and the others that there are more people coming in again. I mean, some evenings, what, evenings I think you do fairly yeah. well, six o'clock, eight o'clock. Yeah, or, sure. So uh, it's still very inconsistent in yeah, terms of yeah. film supply. So hence in January, we had two good films starting at the same time, ja- uh, Promising Young Woman in the Dry. So that gave us a great uh, piece of momentum, again, with The Father and The Courier yeah, uh, yeah. a couple of months later. But, you know... It's it's still, you know, we need a more even um, stability to make to, not, yeah. to, to get out of this hole that we're in. And in talking to my um, peers in the industry who who uh, owning cinemas across New Zealand, uh, you know, we're carrying massive amounts of debts, massive. And uh, you know, w- w- you know, partnerships with our landlords and banks are, be- uh, are strained. Um, so it's very much it's, very a, it's much survival mode this yeah, year in twenty twenty one for cinema, and particularly when people's habits um, have been changed in terms of staying at home with their big, you know, LED widescreen TVs. Yeah, yeah, watching Netflix or something. <laughs> yeah. No. Anyway, I wish you all the best. And all I can say is that as far as I'm concerned, I've noticed there's more and more people coming in all the time now. And I think uh, hopefully that is a positive indication for the future. Yeah, I'm forever positive because I think, you know, the, <clears throat> we've, we've got a golden nugget there and that is watching a film in a disciplined environment. And I think cinema is here to stay. Uh, but there's only so many cards we can play in terms of, you know, keeping people in front of screens in cinemas. But, uh, yeah, the rest mm. is, anyway, is in the hands of God. 
<laughs> and um, anyway, you've got still, as always, you've got some interesting films coming up. One I think that's an important one to mention is uh, one you're showing tonight. And this is um, from called Harold and, mm. and Maud. This mm. goes back to 1971. Mm. But this is actually being um, shown uh, as sort of as a tribute to um, Paul Stewart, who died two weeks ago. And he's the fellow who opened up the Alice's... Um, uh, uh, you know, um, video store, video yeah. store there yeah. first of all, and later off opened the cinema in mm. there, and all of this. Mm. That was his uh, stuff, and that was always the most important one yeah. in, in Christchurch of what he'd done there. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. And within the cinema industry, within the movie industry in Christchurch, you know, he was a most important man. Well, you know, he introduced Christchurch cinephiles with a lot of titles we wouldn't have ordinarily got. Yeah, and his yeah. collection at Alice Video is bar none, the best yeah, in the country. Certainly. Uh, I spent 20 years there. The man is a maverick and um, a true lover of film. And uh, yes, in, in his honour, his favourite film was Harold and Maud. And we're going to be screening that tonight at 8.15 and Alice's uh, a few days later in the weekend. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So um, it, this is uh, your turn this evening. And then, yeah, now Alice's is showing the same film, Harold and Maud, at 2.30 and 4.20 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, this is quite a, this is actually um, Paul's personally favourite movie of all mm. and that's why mm. it's being brought back as a tribute yeah. to him and it's quite a lovely film uh -huh. I, I still vaguely remember it um, because this is about a young boy with lots of hang-ups uh, who meets this elderly woman who helps him sort himself out yeah it's well quite a lovely in film. love age is an unwanted human precept so i think um uh, for me uh, it's a delightful left of centre film that um, only Paul can choose as his favourite film of all time. And <laughs> the guy was a true maverick, and I can totally understand why he picked this film as his best film. And um, we're going to honour honour him with that film. Yeah. So that's tonight. It's mm. with you, the Lumiere. Yeah. yeah. And another interesting thing you've got coming back in a few weeks, or in middle of um, July, is that some Charlie Chaplin movies. Yeah. So it's his one hundredth um, centenary celebrations uh, of his. Um, first movie, isn't Earth, it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's first. Well, the kid uh, was in nineteen twenty-one. Um, so we're opening the celebration of a year with uh, a four K remastered copy of the kid, and then for the next twelve months following, we're going to be featuring one new film a month. So it'll be broken up into two halves. Uh, the first six months will be his silent era films, and the second uh, his talking era. Oh, that's films. right, mate. Yeah. He changed his name a bit from Charlie Chaplin to Charles, I think, at that stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, he was an outspoken, another outspoken maverick that even, wasn't afraid yeah, even of... Even the, in the silent movies. <laughs> yeah, he was a true anarchist in film. And um, so, yeah, um, well, we're well, delighted I, I, to screen those. I mean, that, um, that that's quite a lovely one, too, the... Um, uh, the kid, uh, but uh, that goes back to 1921, mm. and um, mm. uh, and I remember seeing it not quite that long ago. But um, I thought it was a fantastic movie because it is about uh, Chaplin, the tramp. He's the character he plays, his usual character in the silent movies. But in this one, he picks up this little boy and takes yeah. him into his own personal care yeah. to look after him. Yeah. And I remember seeing that. And being very much impressed by it because it wasn't just a sort of a typical Chaplin slapstick 
silent sort of comedy kind of film. This had a much more depth and emotion in it than you usually get in a Chaplin Well, movie. rags to riches, you know, and, um, rags to riches. And he loved that little boy. And um, it was a beautiful symbiotic relationship of a tramp and a, and a boy who was um, told to break windows. And then, you know, Charlie Chaplin happened upon, um, as a window fixer, to be there on the scene. Oh, <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> it's a great right. setup. Yeah. And it works really well for its hour running time. It's yeah. absolutely stunning. Right. We're just about running out of time ourselves. Anything else you'd like to mention? At this yeah, point? just that. I think this year in 2021, it's it's nice to see the um, refreshed and revamped French Film Festival starting on our shores oh, next of course. week on yes, Thursday. Yes, yes, yes. That's Thursday next mm. week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I've got one of the Allianz Francaise ladies coming on this program next week, and she'll tell us all about that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, thank you, Nick. Thank you. That was Nick Paris with news on what's coming up at the Lumiere Cinemas. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. Monsanto's claiming the canola you grew in 97 contained a technology in the seed's gene that they created. I never bought that seed. Tests showed substantial contamination. Who are those men, Grandpa? Monsanto will say that everything you grew is their property. You sure got people talking. You stole Monsanto's seed. You know I'm not a thief. Feels like you're angling for a fight. Will Percy have to testify? Definitely. Is that going to be a problem? Getting his driver's license photo is too much limelight for him. Mr. Schmeiser, I'm Rebecca Salco. I'm here to help you with your case. You try to fight them on your own, you will lose. They're tearing our community apart. They go after anyone who speaks out against me. I get sued for doing the same thing my family's been doing for hundreds of years. So you did do it on purpose. You ready for this, Percy? This is a precedent-setting case. There are thousands of people who want to support you. Monsanto says farmers' rights don't matter. We gotta keep fighting. Hey, Percy, can I get your autograph? No. <laughs> In Percy versus Goliath, a Canadian farmer takes on a giant corporation after it interferes with the crops on his land. Mary Gibson's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this real-life battle with a behemoth. Mary, there have been quite a few films about legal battles with giant companies in recent years. What did you think of Percy versus Goliath? Well, it was interesting to note, here we are, another true story, and we've been seeing so many of these lately, and yes. I, I, I don't want to detract anything from Percy versus Goliath, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but, you know, you look at Minnie Marta, you look at all of these other stories yeah, yeah. that we've been, or movies that we've been seeing, and... It's fascinating, all of these true life, real stories or yeah, movies with these based big companies. On, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And just, you know, how much money they have and how they fight this to the nth degree, deny, 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 and until finally, oh, yeah, okay, we'll pay out. And so, <laughs> and, and here we have again, you know, another situation where you've got a small farmer who is quite successful, he's got a successful canola farm, grows his canola and, um, you know, sells it on the open market. 
But, 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 and here we go. So how this came about was that seed had blown across from the neighbour's property. Yeah. The neighbour had planted Monsanto ge- genetically modified seed. Yeah, Monsanto is the name of this big Mons- uh, every, I think yeah. everyone knows Monsanto. They're huge and, and deep, deep pockets and very well known in this in this whole wheat uh, and barley. Yeah, and, yeah internationally. And internationally, yeah. yeah, big company. And, you know, so the seed blows across in the wind. This is what they actually end up having to prove in the courtroom, that the seed has blown across, landed <laughs> on the property, unbeknownst um, to this guy. Um, yeah, he didn't completely know there was unbeknownst, there. Yeah. And he, he is what you call a seed saver. So year on year on year, right from when his... his um, Ancestors came and they bought seeds with them from the old country to use and 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 plant. So and then each year he'd save the, the best, best seeds. seeds from the best plants of the previous year and save yeah, those for the following yeah, year. Yeah, and yeah. and so unbeknownst to him, he has has unwittingly some of, not all of, a small portion of his crop is this genetically modified canola seed or plant. And so so Monsanto sue him and they say, yeah. you, you owe us, that's our... Yeah. Um, $150,000 yeah, they were after. Yeah, that's our intellectual right. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, for compensation for using their seed, which yeah. he didn't even know he was yeah. doing. And, and, and so the, <laughs> the thing about this movie and what it really shows you and, and a similar kind of comparison with Minimata, where they try and um, divide and conquer. So they take out, you know, a group of farmers here or a group of individuals there or target the weakest link yes. and, and get them to agree or to plant the seed or, or, or in the case of Minimata, to take the money. So there's this whole divide and conquer situation going on. So this poor Percy's got no one who'll back him up and whoever backs him up is ostracised or targeted again by Monsanto. So you just see this playing out, how big, either big pharma, big industry, big chemical companies, they've just got deep Yeah, well, they all get together, but they got the the lawyers. They can afford the best of lawyers. They even get the government supporting Mm -hmm. them quite often. That's right. And even the courts tend towards them, of course. And when you see... In the courtroom, you know, you've got five or six barristers versus one local, <laughs> local lawyer, you know, and, and it's just really yeah. incredible. And, and, and when you follow this pathway um, through, through you know, Percy's fight, and a lot of the farmers have gone bankrupt. They've lost everything because they've either paid out or they've been crippled by the circumstances. And he's decided to fight, which mm. – and, and he, he lost the first case and, and appealed that, and at a Appeal. He was told lost that also, and told that he owed something like I think was it one point five million dollars. <laughs> you know, so so that would have meant losing the farm, crippling them, bankrupting them, and so on. And then he decided, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm taking it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So New Zealanders will identify the system because it's similar to ours. You know. Oh, yes. Well, this is a worldwide thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this fellow because he was fighting the big system. The one little man fighting the big system. He became a sort of a worldwide farmer's yeah. hero mm, for doing mm. this because similar th- issues were coming up and around the world. Mm, they were known mm. everywhere. I mean, towards the end of this film, he even heads. They ask him to go over to um like to, to a India. sort of farmers conference yeah. in India yeah. where, where yeah. he speaks, uh, and everybody thinks he's wonderful. <laughs> well, and when you listen to the statistics of you know young farmers that have taken on incredible debt and have them. 
been sued by the likes of Monsanto and and taken their own lives. And and this was yeah. a, a big yeah. part of the movie was we have to stop this happening. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, Christopher Walken, you kind of think, oh, what's he doing in this role? But he is really quite well cast at playing the grumpy sort of monotone, mm. um, perverse person. No, I think he does it very well. He does. Because at the start, you never quite, he doesn't seem quite sure what he's going to do. <laughs> His own lawyer's advising him against it because he's pretty sure he'll lose. And, and he sort of doesn't know whether, you know, he's coming or going or whether mm, he wants mm. to go. And there's other people pushing him or one way or the other. Mm, mm. But as the film goes on, he becomes more stronger in, mm, in his mm. own will and mm, his own mm. thought and his own principles and the whole thing. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, Christina Ricci was really good. I haven't seen her in a movie for ages. She was the young advocate for the environment and really mm. didn't give a toss about him as a farmer, just wanted <laughs> to use him as the mouthpiece, as the yes. po- poster mm. boy, funny-looking poster boy, but as the poster boy, you know. <laughs> and um, But she was really, really good in this as well and <clears throat> a really nice foil off against um, Percy. And I can't remember the name of the actress who played Percy's wife. But she was there just very stoic and supporting him and and seeing through everything Mm. that was happening. But, you know, said to him, I know you will do the right thing. Well, I think it's just a good thing that they are making these sort of films and uh, to make the people generally around the world aware of the kind of things that are going on Mm, mm. and of the fights against them. Now, difficult it is to win such a fight in this whole thing. I mean, we've had quite a few films. You mentioned um, Mini Marta a couple mm, of times. That's mm. still showing here. And this mm. is about where Johnny Depp's an American mm. photographer who goes to Japan, mm. where there's a, um, a company that's putting mercury-type chemicals mm. into the, pouring it into the rivers. Mm. That goes into the ocean. And then, then it, the, it uh, gets into the fish and the people eat the fish and they get poisoned mm, by it. Mm. And this has quite devastating effects on them. Mm. And uh, the fight there in Japan was equally impossible mm, mm. for the the community there, were essentially. And there's so many mm. of them, you obviously put <laughs> side effects it had on their bodies with this um, mercury. And there's so many other films. There's a thing called Dark Waters. Mm. Um, oh, that's more than ten. Uh, that's a no. That's only about two, two or three years yeah, ago now. Yeah. And uh, that was about a chemical company with mm. a long history of pollution. Mm. And uh, there's actually th- th- more than what this film was about. They're, they're usually about pollution of some kind. Well, and if you if you go back to can't remember the name of it. The one with Russell Cro- whistleblower. The one with Russell oh, Crowe yes, and the tobacco yes, yes. companies. And yes. So the, the, you know this is nothing new. You know, big mm. big industry, big farmer, whatever. They'll always attack the small guy because they can. Yeah, I think it's good to see these films. Absolutely. (laughs) Good, thank you. That was Mary Gibson with her views on Percy versus Goliath. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. (laughs) 